Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Exodus chapter 2 is where my mandate comes from this evening. I'm going to read a long one. It's probably going to be 10 or 11 verses, but it's important because we need to have some context from where I draw my convictions this evening. And it's a story about a wonderful man called Moses. As all of us know, Moses is born in a time where Pharaoh, the Egyptians, had a problem with the children of Israel many generations after Joseph had led his household, his family into Israel. The children of Israel multiplied and grew. They became wealthier than the Egyptians, richer than the Egyptians. The Bible tells us that they increased abundantly and waxed exceeding mighty. And the Bible says the land was filled with them. So the Egyptians have a problem because they see if these people continue like this, they will join their forces with any enemies of Egypt and eventually take over Egypt as their own land. So Pharaoh has an idea. He puts taskmasters over them to work so hard, you know, and afflicted them with burdens, and they built Pharaoh treasure cities, Pithom and Ramses, because they knew once you force them into labor and they work hard, they'll not have time with their wives. But the Jews somehow still multiplied. The Bible says that the more they were afflicted, the more they multiplied and grew. And so Egypt was grieved because the children of Israel continued to grow in spite of the hard labor. So Pharaoh brings another idea and these wise men. Why don't we kill their sons and stop the seed of Israel from increasing. Leave the girls, let's kill the male children. So when these girls grow up, they'll marry our Egyptian boys, and that's the end of their bloodline. And so that decree was passed, and they began to slaughter. Now the scriptures tell us in Exodus chapter 2, in that period, there went a man of the house of Levi and he took to a wife a daughter of Levi. I'm reading the KJV. And the woman which he married conceived and bare a son. When she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid this child for three months. Why? Because they were looking for all male children to kill. The baby is born. 
Verses 3, when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with peach and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. His sister, the sister of a child called Miriam, I believe the woman was Jezebel. So the sister of a girl, of the boy, uh, Moses, stood afar to weep what would be done to him, who? Moses. And when the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along the river's side, and when she saw the ark among the flags, and she sent her maid to fetch it, and when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, a babe wept, and she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister, that is Miriam now coming to Pharaoh's daughter, when she discovered that they had uh, seen Moses, shall I go and call thee a nurse of the Hebrew women so that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. So Miriam went and called their mother because she was the sister, the elder sister of Moses. And so the Bible says, and Pharaoh's daughter said, take this child away, telling Moses' mother, and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. So she's paid. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him and two Pharaoh's daughter. After winning him, eh, he became her son, and she called his name Moses. And she said, because I drew him out of the water. Verses 11 says it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, he went out unto the, his brethren and looked on their burdens and despite an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew of his brethren. Allow me to read a bit further. And he looked this way and that way and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hid him in the sun. And when he went out the second day, two men of the Hebrews strove together and he said to them that did the wrong, wherefore did thou smitest your fellow? And he said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill us as you have killed the Egyptian? And Moses feared and surely this thing was going to be known. So when he knew that they were going to tell Pharaoh that he has killed an Egyptian, because some people saw him, even though he thought that nobody was watching him, but there was a zeal in his heart to fight for the salvation of his brethren, the Jews. Are you following me? Now, this is one of those stories that for me reveal such amazing ways with God when it comes to deliverance. Because when you read the scriptures, it's almost as though more normal, more conventional for God to deliver a certain way by pattern and design. For most of the part, as we have read, God has most of the time delivered men a certain way. And that way we have come to call conventional, usual, common, predictable, because it is so in line with his nature and the usual interpretation of how deliverance should happen when it comes to the sons of men and how we understand life. I'll give you an example. We have a, a situation where Elisha has trouble with the Assyrians because they have been disturbed by his prophecies 
Every time they want to attack the children of Israel, the prophet sees it in the night and goes and tells the king that, oh, this is happening. This is happening. He warns the king of Israel. And the king of Israel, because he's wonderful, he would position himself right to defeat the enemies of Israel. So the enemies of Israel discover that their problem is not Israel, but their problem is a man called Elisha. For the man tells the king of Syria that this man even hears the things you speak in your bedchamber. So they knew that this was he was the problem. And so they come to attack him and his servant sees them. And when servant sees them, he goes to Elisha and tells him, oh, these people are here. They have surrounded us. And then this prophet prays a prayer and says, my God, open the eyes of my servant that he may see how many are on our side. And the eyes of his servant were open and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. This is predictably the way you'd expect deliverance, that God put people on the side of Elisha to fight for Israel and for his prophet. Are you following what I'm saying? It's almost as though the things that God has blessed our way for our deliverances usually are on our side. They are agreeable with our tribe. They are agreeable with our color. They are agreeable with our careers. They are agreeable with the language we speak. What about those extraordinary, and I call them deliberately that, extraordinary, the unprecedented, the unusual, unconventional ways through which God will even set your own enemy to deliver you? When you look at the story of Moses, this is something you'd rarely find or hear. That in this instance, when they're looking to slay the sons of Israel, of the Jews, God, with his infinite wisdom and mercy, chooses a man who one day will be their savior even though the Jews don't get that or could not get that earlier. If you read Acts 7.22, he further explains why he had to choose this man and position him where he positioned him. Why? Because he knew that one day I'm going to use this same Moses to deliver the children of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh. So what does he have to do? Teach him their language. Teach him their wisdoms. Teach him their cultures, their values, their norms, their systems, their artifacts, their way of life. Let him understand how an Egyptian thinks because one day I will set him as a deliverer for the children of Israel. What a God. I have learned of this God who one day or sometimes will place you in ambiguous positions. He'll place you in offices that conflict your conviction. 
Because they don't agree with whatever defines you. If you look at a man called Paul, Saul, which now becomes Paul, the scriptures tell us that he was a Jew by blood of the tribe of Benjamin. A stock of stocks. The scriptures say, God took him to Tarsus, Cilicia. That's where he was born. He was born in Diaspora, not in Jerusalem. Because God knew one day, even though this Jew would have to go into Jerusalem to study under the hand of a man called Gamaliel, who taught him the perfect manner of the law of the fathers and made him zealous toward God. God had not called Paul to be a minister in Jerusalem. He had called him to be a minister in Tarsus Cilicia where there were Gentiles. And because God foreknew that his ministry would be among the Gentiles, he was born a Gentile. He was given the citizenship of a Gentile. In fact, at one particular point, they want to annihilate him. And he says, but I'm a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. You can't kill me under Jewish law. Hallelujah. So the scriptures tell us, I think it's somewhere in Galatians, where he says that when James, Peter, and John, which seemed to be the pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship, that we should go unto the heathen, those the unbelievers, and to them they should go to the circumcision. In other words, God had ordained this in time memorial that the anointing operating on Paul can find its grace provisions and course assignment in the heathen or the non-believers. So, because he knew that this was in design aligned and propagated to his assignment, even before he knew God, God had to make sure that Paul was born in a certain geographical location. Raised in a certain culture and wisdom. Adults who detects him in Jerusalem to train him. And then from Jerusalem, he sends him back to the heathen. So some of you might find yourselves in places you wish not to be. Or some of you were even born in certain places for a particular purpose, especially if those places in which you were born, you were not supposed to be born in. If those jobs you find yourself in, you were not originally intending to enter those jobs. You always dreamt that you'd be a doctor, 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 because everybody was a doctor during that time. But as you grew, some of the chemistry started speaking otherwise. The physics started to ridicule you. The mathematics became an issue. But every time you looked into a history book, you understood. Geography, you got it. And now you graduated in tourism. <laughs> and you find yourself somewhere one day in a game park as a tour guide telling people that oh, that's an African elephant. They're usually bigger than the Indians. I mean Indian elephant, sorry. God can position you anywhere for his glory. The equation of success has nothing to do with the degree you have. 
The equation of success has nothing to do with a master's degree on your head. Because I know PhD holders in some of the highest disciplines I know in the world and they don't even have bread on their table. And I know some of the marginalized professions in the world driving the most expensive cars and living large. Because it's not about what you graduated in. It's who you graduated with. Somebody shout amen. He said, I returned under the sun and I saw that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding or favor to men of skill. But time and chance happens to you. Brother, if you don't know how to use time and chance, it doesn't matter how big the degree you carry, you will fail. Because there are principles that go beyond those marks that you had on your paper. There are things that have a vote on your destiny that have no bearing with your performance in the classroom. That is why in the world they have something called naive meritocracy. That philosophical thought that some people are successful in the world. You can't explain why they are success. Have you met people and you're like, but how, how is this guy even rich? How is this guy even rich? One of those days when I was banking, I dealt with a very rich fellow, very wealthy, but he couldn't even write his name in words. English words. Even his, <laughs> he couldn't even write his own mother tongue. But brother, he was wealthy. He was wealthy. And then you had those who spoke English like they're the queen's cousin. <laughs> But they were begging bread. Tell your neighbor the rest is not to the swift. Are you following me somebody? You might find yourself one day posted by your employer in a district <laughs> you never expected. And you'll cast every living thing and non-living. And perhaps maybe God is drawing you. You think your bosses are throwing you. Yet God is actually drawing. Are you following what I'm trying to say? In my senior six, there was a university I wanted. I will not mention its name. But the course I wanted in that university, I could not be given. And you know the prestige that comes with some universities whose names I won't mention. Or the prestige that comes with some secondary schools whose names I won't mention. You know their kids, even the way they walk, you can tell they're from a certain school. Like they're the Cream de la cream, the smartest of the smartest. So anyway, I wanted this university for the prestige of it. And those are the reasons that are private. But the course I wanted in that university was not given. So I went to a university, second choice. Second? <laughs> uh, okay, I'm humble. Second. 
Syracuse University. I'm like, what in the world am I even doing here? Now, all my friends, even some guys whom I had better grades than, went to that university. And there are times we'd even meet in town and they tell you, ah, oh, yeah, we're here, we're doing this course, what are you doing? And I'm like, ah, ka, 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 you know? I'd stammer. But I remember one day, I'm in this wonderful Christian university, and I go up the mountain, one of those Saturdays, to pray. And I had an encounter with God that I will never forget. And then I remember some of the courses I did in that university, which were not done in the university I wanted to be in. But those course units were a precursor in the preparation of the minister that I was going to become. And I remember one of those days on the mountain praying up there on a mountain called Bessania, Ankara. And I hear the voice say, if you had not come here, you'd have missed your appointment. So I knew for a fact that God needed me positioned in Uganda Christian University, Mokono. Because that's where I had to encounter him. He told me, if you had not come to this university, you'd have been in the wrong position and have missed this encounter. Because the people I met and the things that I met there were all part of this web that God had designed in his infinite wisdom to prepare the minister that I am. Now, I'm teaching people who went to Harvard, Yale University, Oxford. I have guys here who went to Cambridge. They have notebooks. They are writing. Nuts. And they're shouting hallelujah. <laughs> Listen, it doesn't matter where you are. It matters who you are. Even if you are a toilet cleaner. My God. I'm going to say something I've said once, I think. Some of you missed it. When I wanted to find a wife, listen, I had a list. But heaven also had a list. And when God wanted to explain to me why he chose my wife for me, he said words. And these are the words he said. Because she used to wash the toilet of the church. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So some of you think that it's about where. No, no, no. It's not where you're positioned. It's who you are positioned with. It doesn't matter how bad or wherever you could be appointed. The point is, are you there with God by the will of God? You could live in a palace, but yet be in the wrong place. You could live in the places of affluence and power, but yet not be in the right place. 
So it doesn't matter where you are. It matters who you're with or who sent you there. Now, Acts 7.22 tells us why God had to take Moses to Egypt. And the Bible says, Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and who'd better teach than the wise men that were around Pharaoh. And he was mighty with words and in deeds. Bible says when he was full of 40 years old, it came to his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. You remember now where we're reading from verses 11? And seeing one of them suffer, he defended him and avenged him that was oppressed and smote the Egyptian. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. And I knew why, or I know why. Because that was an unconventional deliverance. It was an extraordinary deliverance. They would not expect that the son of Pharaoh would deliver Israel. Because at that particular point, he had become the son. You remember verses 10? She took him to the daughter of Pharaoh. In Exodus, we're reading 2.10. She took him to the daughter of Pharaoh. And the scriptures tell us, he became, read, he became her son. Now, do you think all the Jews at that time knew that Moses was a Jew? No. They thought he was a Egyptian. He was an Egyptian, a son of Pharaoh. And they've seen him kill another Egyptian. You see what I'm saying? They can't trust him. They can't trust their destiny on him. But the Bible says in Acts, now in retrospect, they just never understood that God by his hand would deliver them through this man called Moses. So sometimes... Judge with wisdom and divine counsel the places you'll find yourselves appointed, especially when they are inconvenient to your pattern. Not everywhere you are, you have been placed by the devil. I've seen people literally fight themselves out of God's will. There are people sometimes you wish you want to sit him down or hard down and tell her, this thing you're crying over, it's not the will of God. No, I want James. <laughs> Pray that he comes back. You understand? But she doesn't know. She's calling back a frog. Not James, the James who is in the funeral. No, no. Those ones are not here. The James is here are holy. They're like the one of scripture. <laughs> hallelujah like me God might throw you places there are people I met in ministry and I would ask God why did I meet this individual and he says it was all part of a bigger plan why did I go to live in this place it was all part of a bigger plan the devil might not see it because like I said, it's unusual for God to come through certain patterns, but he does. And this is one of those days. This is one of those days. She saw that he was a 
goodly child. There was something about him that was distinct and the mother hid him. She saw an anointing on his life and knew that this was not a usual fellow. The only reason why Jezebel hides this boy, scripture is very clear. She saw there was something on this boy's life. Perhaps she would have handed him over as the law required for the fear of the consequences of not fulfilling the orders of a pharaoh. Are you following what I'm saying? I have realized that life can be a journey to take you places you never thought you could go. And some of you understand what I'm saying. It's only those of you who have walked with God for so long. And here this is not an age equation again. Because it's not how long only, but how deeply long you have walked with God. It's important also to assess away the depth of relationship as this man or woman has walked with God. There are songs we sing that a person who got born again yesterday might not understand because they require a certain relationship and a certain affirmation of the things you have seen touched, tested concerning the word of life. And then you'd invite men in fellowship to show them the fellowship that you have with the Father, like First John said. Like this song that goes, it is so sweet to trust in Jesus. If you have not, if you just got born again last week, you might not understand what we're singing. Just to take him at his word, just to rest upon. This was a testimony. His promise, just to know the same the Lord. Then he says, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. Listen, how I've proved him all. Now the word that all and all, those of you who don't understand English, it's over and over. This is not something you can sing for two days walking with Jesus. <laughs> Slap somebody. Listen, this is not something you can talk about when you've just entered salvation for a week or month. I'm talking to those of you who have been born again for 10 years, 5 years, 3 years, 15 years, 25 years. Do I have a witness? 30 years of salvation. And you can say, I proved him when I was in the labor ward. I proved him when the landlord chased me out. I proved him when my car got stalled at a certain parking lot. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere, I tested him when my child was suffering with cancer. And they told me that she had a few days to leave. I proved him that time when they told me that you might not leave for four weeks or four months. I proved him that day when I was in the bed and I couldn't breathe. And I never thought that I was going to make it in the next day. But I remember waking up and it's just four or five years back. And I can look back and see what God has done. And I can say that I can trust him. I can trust him because I have proved him. It's not an edge issue. It's an experience issue. Saul had fought more wars. 
He'd gone through heat and blizzards, winds and snows, fighting all enemies of Israel. And then this young man who had never lifted the sword comes and said, I can take Goliath out. <laughs> you remember? And then he says, no, 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 they are going to kill you, you're too small. And the Bible tells us that Saul was higher, he was taller than any man. He stood above the shoulder of any man. He was taller than anybody in Israel. And imagine how tall this fellow is. He gives his armor, huh? his breastplate and everything and sword to David and tells him, go and fight. And this boy tells him, mm -mm, I cannot wear something. I have not proved. Glory to God. I'm going with somebody who I have proved. Did you get what I just said? David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these. Because I'm going with someone singular. I cannot go with these plural. For I have not proved them. I'm going with one whom I have proved. And the Bible says, David put them off. Hey, glory to God. And then he goes to Goliath. Tall and big, this Philistine champion of God. He says, am I a dog? How do you bring this little thing here? How do you bring this thing here? And the Bible tells us, and the Philistine cursed David with his gods. You must understand the power of words. Some of you think people just speak. No. Goliath knew one of the oldest principles be known. But for any war, you have to use your mouth first. No matter how strong you are. He cursed David. He spoke incantations using his gods. Because he knew that this war had to begin firstly from the spiritual. No matter how small or big, he must swear the spiritual atmosphere and win first spiritually. That's why I tell people, don't go to war if you don't know how to speak. Eh, 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 eh. Don't go to war if you don't know how to speak. That's why the Bible calls it the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Rema. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Our weapons are defensive and offensive. The shield of faith takes out every fiery dart. To quench every fiery dart, the sword is offensive. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That is why in Matthew, he says that uh, do not think that I am come to bring peace to the world. He says that I am come with a sword. You remember when Jesus says, I came with a sword? Some people think, eh. You know, there are people who interpret scripture wrongly. And they say, eh. Jesus brought war. When they say, think not that I'm come to send peace on the earth. He says, I came not to send peace, but a sword. Some people think that sword is war. But if it was so, when Peter cut off the ear of the Roman soldiers, then Jesus would have said, this is exactly what I came to do. No. He put that ear back and tells Peter, whoever kills 
another with a sword he shall buy the sword be king don't fight wars this way because his sword is different <laughs> his sword is what different in isaiah the bible says he shall slay the wicked with his mouth the sword of his mouth it's here praise the lord it's here the breath of his lips this is our sword praise the lord so the philistine curses him verses 44 and the philistine said to david come to me and i will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air this is confession and unto the beast of the field he's saying everything is going to do to him because that's exactly how you wage war tell the devil how it's going to end do you understand what i'm saying i know that this person has been going through this circumstance but this is what i say in the name of jesus that by the time they reach that door this is going to change that, that's that's confession hallelujah then say david to the philistine you come to me with a sword listen you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield but i come to thee in the name of the lord of hosts the god of the armies of israel whom you have defiled next verse 46 this day will the lord deliver thee into my hand and i will smite thee and take the head from thee and i will give the carcasses of the hosts of the philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth and that the whole earth may know that there is a god in fanero that's how you fight Praise God hallelujah. But some of you when war comes you say mercy mercy Jesus mercy no uh, 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 uh. leave mercy alone she's sleeping pun intended Evoke what the word of God says Glory to God tell your story as well David told Goliath I will take your head off yet he has no sword <laughs> Did you get it? The man has no sword, but he's telling David, "I'll cut off your head." Because these lips that are speaking, they have enough power to get that thing off your hand. This is a sword, not what you have on your waist. Hallelujah, glory to God. Glory to God. If you don't know how to speak, don't go for war speak before and then swing that slingshot when you have spoken right you don't need target practice you just need a covenant hey yeah 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 i said when you have spoken right you don't need target practice because god is not looking for the most precise shooter He's looking for a man with a covenant. That is why he called Goliath this uncircumcised Philistine. It's a covenant issue. Tell anybody it's a covenant issue. 
I just need to swing it. Let me tell you. There was nothing Goliath would do to dodge that stone. There was nothing in the world Goliath could do to dark that shot. Because it was not in the precision of the arm of the man. It was in the spirit that was at work in the man. This one had judged the Philistine uncircumcised. And therefore, an inferior opponent to him. Some of you must understand. It's not about how much you shout. Eh, 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 eh. Those are just shadows. The substances of Christ. There are people I know who in the silence can say devil. And he knows he's in trouble. Glory to God. And there are people I know who are shouting devil, devil. And then I was like scribble all you want girl I'm coming. I'm taking you out. But there are people they just need to say devil. And the devil knows he's in trouble. Be that person. Tell your neighbor, be that person. Be that person. You enter a place and the devil knows that he has arrived. That's your portion in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Because you can't read scripture. Listen to the language of the scripture that he slung it smote the Philistine listen and the stone sank in it's as if it knows what to do and where it's supposed to go and how it's supposed to enter this head <laughs> praise the Lord Jesus glory to God glory to God this is a man who understands how God works Praise the Lord. Back to our unconventional story. Pharaoh is killing the sons of Jacob. Pharaoh is killing the sons of Abraham. Pharaoh is killing the seed of Isaac. And God says, among them I'm going to raise a deliverer Pharaoh and I'm going to make sure that you raise him in your own house feed him with your own food clothe him with your own clothes bathe him with your own water introduce him to your own wisdoms align him with your own customs connect him to every door and every window of the palace because a time is going to come when the man i need to deliver the children of israel understands you very well this is what the lord spoke to me to tell you this evening this is a season this year next year god is going to position deliverance through those who hated you they will not deliberately do it but they are going to find themselves doing things working together for your good contributing your air tickets paying for your hotels yeah. 
making the introductions. Hey, somebody receive it in the name. Glory to God. Listen. God told me to tell somebody this evening I don't know who that I'm about to use unconventional means. I'm about to use those very people that spoke negatively about you. I'm about to use the very words that they spoke against you. I'm about to use the very testimony that was set against your narrative. I'm about to use the very, very, very weapons that they're using against you. To give you deliverance. Oh! Shata prate kala palate. The Bible says they hired Moses' mother to look after her very own I'm telling you somebody's entering something. They're going to find themselves signing checks. But those checks eventually they will pay so and so. And that so and so will come and pay you. I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> but this is what I see by God. There are people here who are going to celebrate God for their pharaohs. The people you thought you should curse, you're going to start blessing because all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and according to his purposes. Things are about to make sense. I prophesy upon your life. Things were not making sense, but they are about to make sense. Ruth had deliverance through Naomi. That was predictable. Boaz was related to Naomi. That was predictable. But God wants to take you to a certain place where you are going to be delivered by people who have no blood relationship with you are not of your color. They're not of your tribe. They're, they're not your people. Tap someone and tell them Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. You're about to be voted by the people that you never thought would vote you in. You oh. Abraham blessing Lot was predictable. But this is not the mind of this text. I'm talking about people you're not related to. I'm talking about people who are going to look at you for the first time and love you, listen, anyway. Some of you, the very places where you've been rejected, this is the week and the month 
where you're going to receive the phone calls. The very people who said rejected. The very people who disqualified you are going to qualify you. The very people who expelled you are going to hire you. Hallelujah, glory to God. That's just the way of God. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 7 that when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace. Oh, to be at peace with him. That's why they said he was a goodly child. There was something with God that Moses had. There was no way even the most conflicted enemy of Israel would look at Moses and hate him. They could hate who he is. But they would not resist his presence to do it good. <laughs> because Pharaoh knew they were taking in a Hebrew boy. He was circumcised. But there is something that covered this fellow and favored him even when... You see, some of you must understand how God hides. You know, when we talk about God hiding, God hiding, some of you must understand this. You remember the time when Nebuchadnezzar passed a decree that everybody should bow to the image that was built in his person? You remember that scripture? The scriptures tell us why was Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego arrested? Because they refused to bow to those idols. Where was Daniel? <laughs> Where was the prophet Daniel? Do you understand what I'm saying? Where was Daniel? Why didn't they comment? Did Daniel bow? Where was Daniel? Let me tell you, some of you must understand this. God can position you in a place where those who hate everything you represent will hold nothing against you. And if they do, God will only use it to prove who he is in your life. Hallelujah, somebody. Hallelujah, child of God. This is the season to expect deliverance from the least expected places, least expected people, unprecedented sources that you'll be shocked that he will expose everything your enemy has against you to you one day for your use because you'll need it. God is amazing. Open your mouth and let's thank God for the word. Miracle worker. You are a miracle worker.
You're gonna do a miracle, miracle today. You're gonna do a miracle, miracle today. Destiny changer, you are a destiny changer. You're changing destinies, destinies today. You're gonna change destinies, destinies today. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle-working God. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle-working God. Your name is Yahweh. This is a time where, listen, you take time to receive the word God has sent. Because every word comes and it cannot return back to him void. It must achieve that which he sent it out to achieve. It must prosper in the thing that he has sent it. Listen, there are people who are planning for you and you don't even know that they are planning for you. But there was a reason why you had their phone number and you were in their circles. And whatever looks like is turning against you is going to turn for your good. Come on. Miracle worker. You are a miracle worker. Speaking tongues. Come on, speak to Jesus. Your name is Yahweh. Everybody raise your hands in the air. I just want to pray with you. Whoever knew that the deliverer of Israel from the hand of Pharaoh would be raised in Pharaoh's courts, 
raised in Pharaoh's kingdom in the very center of where the mind to kill the children of Israel was orchestrated. Whoever knew that the deliverer of the sons of Jacob would be raised as a son of Pharaoh in the palace with all the provisions a prince would need. But your word has been showed tonight that God, you can even use the resources, the wisdoms, the weapons of our enemies for our deliverance. <laughs> this is my prayer for every man and woman whose hand is up today. That this scripture is going to be fulfilled in your eyes this week, this month, next year, in a few years to come. And one day you live to tell a story that I don't need a relative, a friend, or an acquaintance to deliver me. God can deliver me even by those who hate me. Receive it in Jesus' name. Give him a mighty help of praise. Come on. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate Jesus. Come on. Come on. Come on. 15 seconds. Celebrate Jesus. Celebrate like you know. Celebrate. It's your act of worship and the affirmation of your spirit that whatever you have prayed, you have believed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Unprecedented. Unconventional means. Unexplainable methods. You're entering unexplainable doors. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Mashatala palatelebo. Razo predeke telepana toko talapa. Rako telemaranto lepotele ketelepa. Reko siya parande go siere borodogo satalapa. Reko telepana telego siyaraba. Kasorebo sarara. You're going to be blessed by people who you don't know. <laughs> Strangers are going to serve you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The systems fighting against you are going to work for you. I'm prophesying. The systems that held back your contract, they're going to start working to your advantage. Even some of you who have forgotten one day when the contract was coming through or when the job, God is going to do something that forgetting you would be the very reason you're going to be promoted. God is going to put it in the ears of those who should hear it and it's going to appear 
that the very reason why you were demoted is the very reason why you're going to be promoted. Hallelujah. If you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you say, I want to receive everything I've been speaking is for men and women under the covenant. But I want to give you an opportunity today to enter that covenant. Not only because of what God is going to do for you, but because of what God has already done for you by Christ. The ultimate sacrifice when he shed his blood for your sins and was raised for your glory. So if you're here and you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, repeat these words after me and say this from your heart. Say, Father God, I thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ. For he died for my sins and he was raised for my glory. Today, I take the decision to receive Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999400 or email us at info at You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowship at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.